from Harare, Zimbabwe to the World Wide Web. You are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Every week, we lead you in conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Our goal is to get you to ask questions and compare what today's culture is telling us versus what the Bible says. If you're a non-believer, we hope that our conversation will shed more light on what the Christian faith is really about. Never miss an episode by subscribing through our website, www.radiantculture.africa or you can find us on iTunes. Like our Facebook page, look up Radiant Culture and follow us on Twitter at Radiant Culture. If you're on Instagram, it's Radiant underscore culture radiant culture it's life it's truth it's lit stay tuned hello everyone how's it going welcome to radiant culture what's up i'm cookie monster and i am t-mac we're the usual hosts and we are safe um (laughs) we are very safe and we're back in one piece Mm. yeah yeah What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like a joke including peach flavor, mazoe or something, you know. Okay. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Because you know, when you, okay, when you talk about. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, because uh, when you mentioned, like I used to be scared to talk about mazoe. Why? Uh, just a, a few weeks ago. Oh. Yeah, anyway. I know we're not talking about politics today. We are um, here to talk about um, the God who's above politics. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today we're talking about a topic that is very, very, very important. And one that I believe is um, a controversial one in many ways. And one that has caused a lot of heartache to theologians and pastors Mm -hmm. and many people that are non-believers have just grappled with this issue and it's the issue of suffering right and so c.s lewis write a book about it yes c.s lewis does have a book which is called the problem of pain yes (laughs) okay all right yeah so we have um one of our most astute guests in the in the building in the in the building. Anyway, yeah, you're just gonna remove all of that, right? 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 In, King? in, the, in, the, bu- in the building. I don't know why I can insist on saying in the building when I always chop it like I chop it every time. Yeah. In the room we have Kuwaza. Kuwaza today. Our resident theologian. That's the, you see he said it so much better than I did. Hi Kuwaza. Hi, I don't know about resident theologian, but that's <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. Thank you. Resident, smart-sounding guy. <laughs> so today, as you've been told already, we're just going to be talking about suffering, following on from the previous episode, which discussed, okay, we don't really know what, as humans, we try and figure out, okay, what was God responsible for? What is man responsible for? Because we're, yeah. we're fallen. We know that. And we're in the process of being redeemed. But in our fallen state, we kind of mess a lot of things up. So I guess we just want to know, okay, if God is love and he loves us, then why does he allow us to suffer? Like, why would a loving God do that? doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we deserve it. It <laughs> doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, as you said earlier, it's the question, I think, most difficult question that keeps certain people from coming to faith in Christ. And those who are in Christ... Um, and I'm sure anyone who's been a Christian for you know, any length of time, you've asked yourself, so why? Especially if you are in the middle of suffering. Mm. And uh, 
I'll not pretend to be the one who has the final answer, but I'll give the answer that I have. And I'll say God allows suffering primarily because God allows choice. Uh, all suffering is a product of a choice mm-hmm. at some stage, whether historically uh, in terms of uh, the choice that Adam made or the choices that people make on a day-to-day basis. All suffering is a result of someone's choice somewhere down the road, whether it's their own choices or other people's choices. Suffering is always a result of a choice. And right. choice itself <clears throat> is a result of God creating us in his image. Because if we cannot choose, then we're not made in the image of God. Because God makes choices. It was a choice for him to create the universe. Right. A choice for him to create man. And he makes choices all the time. So to be made in the image of God means that we have to have the, the ability to choose and also to have real viable options that he puts before us. Yeah. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Eat or not to eat. Yeah. In exercising the choice, we exercise the nature of God. Okay. It's very interesting. Well, uh, sorry, can uh, I just ask you guys a question? Sure. <clears throat> do you know Sintoya Brown or do you know her story? No. Y'all don't know Sintoya? All right, let me tell you about Sintoya. <laughs> Enlighten us, please. <laughs> um, she was 16 when she was trafficked um, by human trafficking, yeah. So she was uh, moved to wherever she was moved to, away from her family, <coughs> away from everyone she knew, and she was put under the stewardship. It's, that's the worst word I can use, but anyway, she was overseen by this pimp called Cutthroat. Then after days of repeatedly being drugged and raped by different men, she was purchased by a 43-year-old child predator who took her to his home and used her for sex. And then after she finally had the courage to fight back and she shot him and she killed him. And then she was actually found guilty and convicted to life imprisonment for killing the guy who had been raping her for years. Wow. Is there any justice? So yeah, she won't be eligible for parole until she's 69 years old. This is after you've been trafficked and then you've been raped and then you've been kept as a sex slave. Then you kill the person who's the perpetrator of your suffering, and then you get put in prison. Like someone like Sintoya, how was she even supposed to process that and be like, no, but God is good all the time. He's oh. not. I'm in prison right now for <laughs> killing someone who is torturing me for years. Yeah. You get the problem that most of us face when we're trying to understand this whole thing? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as I said earlier, that's a very difficult one. And, you know, there's uh, there's... The difference between what someone would call a pastoral answer mm-hmm. and what someone would call a theological answer. While I'm not trying to minimize what she went through, um, but uh, the truth remains the truth. You know, um, God is not the author of her suffering. Man is people's choices. The people that trafficked her. The people that abdicated their responsibility to be uh, father and mother figures to her and instead used her in a way that was contrary to what you know the word of God says anyway. Mm. Um, that's where the buck starts and stops. Um, and we need to understand, I think something that happens when we ask the question about whether, you know, uh, why does God allow suffering is that we don't take time to sit in his seat, so to speak, and to see things from his perspective. There's no one who suffers as much as God suffers. Think about it. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, uh, not 11, 4 verse 13, it says that everything is open before him. So he sees everything. Every single 
uh, trafficking offense that happens. We only get to hear of Centoya, I think that's her name. Mm-hmm. But he sees all the people that don't come up through uh, the system, people that don't come through the media. He sees it all. Every rape, every murder, every form of injustice, something is stolen. And he has a capacity for love that a lot of us don't have. So imagine how much pain he must go through every day. The Psalms say that he, saw, he, he, he has indignation every day. He suffers indignation every single day. And that's because of what he sees all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Genesis 6 verse 6 says that God's heart was filled with pain when he saw that men's hearts were filled with evil all the time mm-hmm. and with wickedness. And that's why he made a decision. And actually, he regretted having made man, if you remember that, how that scripture goes. And so he made a plan to destroy all of you know, all of mankind. That's all because of the pain that he felt too and the suffering that he has undergone. Mm. So sometimes we look at it as though it's just the person suffering and we are looking at it and thinking how bad this is. Mm. But God also goes through that and experiences that suffering, I believe, in a way that not many of us are able to even handle or even to comprehend or imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And, you know, it, 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 what gives comfort is that God himself going through that has also made a way uh, through the suffering of his own son to make right every wrong uh, in the future and at the end of time. So, you know, just, wow. I, I know this whole issue of suffering and what, what T-Mac has just read and, and, and your response, you know, that you, you can never really get um, like a sound bite response to um, an, an issue such as this. Yeah. And I actually want to bring this to where we're at in, in Zimbabwe at the moment, you know, where for the last 15 years or so, we've really struggled as a nation. Yeah. You know, I, I, I cannot recall, um, or rather, I have very vague memories of what it's like living in a normal economy, yes. right? And, well, quote, unquote. Um, so the question that I then have is, you know, with all the suffering that has happened in, in Zim, some of the questions that you will get people asking are things like, so did God know that this was going to happen? Was this all part of his plan to try and refine us yeah. <laughs> as a nation? Yeah. Um, was this induced by man? Yeah. If this was all man's doing, why, why did God allow people to suffer the way that they did? Yeah. And th- these are some of the questions. And then you look at the events that have happened over the last few weeks where, you know, things have just flipped yeah. almost overnight. Yeah. That, you know, is this all part of God's grand scheme mm-hmm. that is unfolding? Yes. Um, or is it man just doing his thing and God allowing it to, to happen? So maybe we can, we can just have a discussion around that. And Kuwaza, okay. you can... Very complex set of questions uh, and things to work your mind through. You know, uh, people uh, more educated than myself in the Word of God uh, and have studied the Word of God for a longer time, they want to talk about the perfect will of God versus the permissive will of God. That there are things that God uh, wills permissively. So he will permit something even though he can stop it, but he will allow it to happen um, because it serves a greater purpose. And the things that are in the perfect will of God that God actively is working to make happen. Uh, so when you look at the suffering that has happened in Zimbabwe, there are quite a few people that have come up with uh, interesting uh, uh, analysis or takes on it. Some have claimed to have a prophetic insight into our sufferings, uh, why God allowed it. Um, but what we can be very clear about uh, 
is that the sufferings that we experience were really, again, I come back to the product of choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and when God intervenes uh, in the world to cause people's choices from uh, leading down a path of destruction, it's actually his grace. And when God allows things to go the way that they do go, it's God not ha- not intervening. It's not because he's... You remember, grace is not that God is obligated to intervene. When he intervenes, it's, it's his mercy. It's him doing so out of his own desire to save the situation. But if God allows things to just go the way that they're going, it's because he's saying, okay, most of the time it's because people have turned away from him. And he's saying, okay, you've made a choice. Now I want you to see what kind of life it is that you are uh, going after. So there's this king uh, in the Bible who messed up and was told that you messed up and he went back and, you know, and he repented. And God said, okay, because you've humbled yourself, I'm going to lessen your pain. However, that you may know what it is like to go against God or to go to a place without God, I'm going to let you suffer. Uh, the consequences. You're going to have Egypt ruling over you for some time. Hmm. Uh, And so God, when we look at Zimbabwe, we have to ask ourselves, were we a godly nation? Are we saying we suffered in spite of our holiness, in spite of our righteousness Mm -hmm. as a people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Because... Uh, we have to, yeah, we have to understand. Also, I'm believing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Again, and that's why I'm saying it's very complicated. Again, you yeah. have a situation where David, on one occasion, was praying after three years and there was no rain. You know, and he prayed and said, "God, what's going on?" You know, and God said, "This is not you know, basically it's not climate change. It's because Saul killed some people that he wasn't supposed to kill." Mm-hmm. And that was before David was in power. You know, but then now the consequences of what Saul had done mm-hmm. uh, years before, decades before, were now being experienced during David's reign. And so what you can see there is that you can have like a delay in the consequences for sin, consequences for wrongdoing, that catch up with the next generation. Yeah. After the generation that committed the sins that led to that or that produced the consequence, after that generation has died off, you can still be suffering the consequences of that. So that's why I'm saying it's very complicated and it's very difficult very. to say why and how. Yeah. But what we can say very, very clearly is that it was a product of man's choices. Mm-hmm. Um, there were decisions made. There were uh, words spoken <laughs> different occasions. There were actions taken yeah. that uh, <clears throat> led directly to where we found ourselves. Hmm. I think... If I was listening, I would just be thinking, so that's really unfair. Yeah. <laughs> like, is God fair? I don't think it's like yeah. written in the Bible anyway that he is fair. Is he fair? Does he say that he's a fair God or he says he's a just God? He's a just God. Fairness is the, a human concept. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, none of this is sounding fair. Yeah. Um, if I can just speak to that. I like what Romans chapter 5 does. If you go through the whole chapter, mm-hmm. um, there's a part where Paul says, um, death reigned you know, over, from the time of Adam to Moses, even right. over those whose trespass was not the same as that of Adam. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Adam was the one who sinned, but uh, the consequences were felt by people who didn't sin in the way that he did. Yeah. But then you also look at, uh, and I'll come back to Romans 5 just now, but I want you to look at Hebrews 7 as well, 
where it says that um, we could say, this is the right of, of um, Hebrew saying, uh, talking about Melchizedek, mm-hmm. saying we, we could say that Levi, while he was in the loins of his father Abraham, paid the tenth to Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So the tithe was a good thing that Abraham did. And the writer is saying by the law or the principle of representation that Levi, who was still in the loins of his father or his ancestor, because there was Abraham, he was yet to have Isaac, Isaac was going to have Jacob, and Jacob was going to have Levi. And he was saying that it's as though Levi paid the tenth. So here we have a good thing being done and being reckoned because his ancestor did it on his behalf. And on the other side, we have Adam, who did a bad thing that's bringing consequences on all of, on all of us. When you go back to Romans 5, Paul then says, uh, now God has flipped the script. And there's one man who has come and whose act of righteousness is giving good consequences for those whose obedience is not like the obedience of the one man. So if you think it was unfair for us to suffer the consequences of what Adam did, God says, okay, here's my son Jesus, the second Adam. He's going to be obedient. You don't have to do what he did, but you can share in the benefits of what he did. Mm. How's that for fairness? Right. You see. So everyone suffers because one man did wrong, but <clears throat> everyone can have glory and enjoy a good life and the benefits of doing the right thing because of one man's obedience. Mm. Um, does our... I think, okay, some of us, we go through things mm-hmm. and even if you like read the Psalms, yeah. David wishes some very horrible things upon his yeah. enemies. Yeah. 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 So I think sometimes we go through <clears throat> things or suffering that we also think, you know, this is a result of nigi nigi. And, but yet God is going to forgive or he has the capacity to forgive all of us if we just ask for that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And you might be standing next to that person in heaven or wherever, like you'll all be equal and he would have been forgiven. You're just looking at him like, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. So does our, how are we supposed to work that part of it out? Like even if God does erase our suffering, mm-hmm. do we just forgive and forget the perpetrators? Okay. So with forgiveness, remember, forgiveness is really an expectation of scripture. You know, Jesus said uh, to uh, Peter when he said, should I forgive my brother seven times? No, no, no. 77 times seven. Mm. We should not count until 400 and odd, whatever 77 times seven is. But until you forget that I forgave this guy, you're ready to keep forgiving. Um, And so forgiveness is definitely something that we are are required to do. Uh, But one of the things that we sometimes mess up around forgiveness is firstly, the Bible doesn't say that we should forget. There's no place that says you must forget uh, what someone did mm. to you. Um, it's helpful if you can. But it doesn't say that forgiveness is only when you forget. And also, it doesn't mean that after you've forgiven someone, that you, are not, that you cannot seek to bring about the consequences of their uh, actions yeah. on them. Yeah. For example, if you have an employee that steals from you, you can forgive them. But then you can also fire them, having forgiven them. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example from the scripture. <laughs> I know, it's so confusing. So I, want, I want to go to the scripture here. Forgiven and fired. Forgiven and fired. I like that. I like that. You should make that a series or something. Uh, if you read Numbers 14, this is when the people of Israel were grumbling against God. And uh, God said, I want to destroy them. And then Moses makes a petition on their behalf. And then in verse 20 of chapter 14 of Numbers, uh, God says, I have forgiven them as you have asked. And then he says, but. 
none of the people that saw my signs and wonders all those times in the wilderness and have tested me these 10 times, none of them is going to enter into Canaan. Mm. So people are going to be dying off for 40 years in the wilderness and all those bodies that are dropping in the wilderness are people that are forgiven. Mm. <coughs> you understand that? That's why when you talk about salvation, it's not enough that we are forgiven of our sins. That's why the Bible has to talk, talk about uh, justification. Because forgiveness of sin means I'm no longer counting the things that you did wrong against you. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take away the consequence of the sin. The consequence of the sin which was paid for by Christ on the cross comes by way of us receiving his righteousness now, imputed to us. That's where justification comes in. So when you are judged... In what it? Imputed. Imputed. imputed yeah. What is that, guys? <laughs> come come on. On. I don't know these words, okay? I'm not biscuits. I okay, don't use so, the words. So, so imputed means... Uh, credited to your account. Okay. So just like someone... Yeah, have, you, have you heard of impunity? <laughs> yes. Oh, is that the same thing? Well, we could talk about that later, but... Same family. Imputed to you as something that has been given to you or credited to your account. It's an accounting term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you go to the... And you see your bank statement and you see credits, you know, versus debit and whatever, whatever. That's the idea there. And the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us so that the benefits that accrue to him because of his right, right living, accrue to us as well. Mm-hmm. So we are forgiven, but we also need to be justified, yeah. to be declared righteous. Because if we're only forgiven and not justified, mm. yeah, uh, I'm okay, you did wrong, but hey, we're cool now. However, you still must suffer right. for your sins. Yeah. So that, that example that I gave you, and there's quite a few of them as well, where <laughs> God forgives, but then still the consequences can be brought yeah, to bear I, on you. I always found it fascinating how uh, he says, I don't know exactly, but he says he's also sent to um, to give good use to the poor, tell blind people, yeah. blah, 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 and then also to to for the prisoner. The earth, yes. Yes. And I was like, ah! But they're bad people. Exactly. <laughs> like, isn't it? Even when you look at that parable, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Yeah. That one of the things he mentions there is, you saw me in prison, and you didn't come visit yeah, me. I, I, yeah. I, I really started thinking and, about yeah. like, what's Jesus's thing about prisoners? Like, yeah, they're prisoners. It means they've done some bad stuff, though. And you know, just the, the question that I want to ask before I forget, um, also is, <clears throat> just in line with what you're saying, um. Well, it's not a question, I guess, more of a comment. The justice of God mm-hmm. uh, versus the love of God, mm-hmm. right? Because I think the idea that we often have is that if God is loving, mm-hmm. um, then why does this have to happen? Okay. Uh, and then, But then can God really be loving mm-hmm. if there was no justice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um. Because love, I think, has love is actually predicated upon justice. Yeah. There's got to be justice for love to be love. So, when you think about that as well, that the reason why God has to punish us or punish people when they do wrong is because He's a just God mm-hmm. and He's a loving God. Yeah. Look. Um it's because of our limited minds uh, as human beings that we talk about justice versus love in God. Because in our minds are limited in that we cannot see them being, you know, just living together. You know, God is love and God is just. It's just that simple. 
there is no conflict in, in God, you know. My justice on one hand wants me to obliterate these guys. But my love says no. And then my justice, and it's almost like God is going through this thing all the time. Where, no, my justice is pulling me this way, you know. God is able to live with those all together at once. And if you look at what he did in Christ, he fulfilled uh, love and justice in one act. Mm. Justice because sin cannot go uh, unatoned for. It has to be, there has, there's been an answer for it. There's Jesus as the answer for that. And then love, out of love for the people that, you know, he created. Right. Says, you stand there in their place, <clears throat> suffer in their, uh, in their stead, receive what they're supposed to receive, that they may receive the love and the, you know, and the right standing that would make them able to enjoy the benefits of the love that I have for them and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's why you have prison, then you have prison ministry. Yeah. And you also need to, you see, I was... Uh, there's a very interesting scripture. Romans 13 verse 4 says that um, the one who is in authority is a servant of God. And he says, if you do wrong, be afraid because he does mm-hmm. not bear the sword in vain. He's God's avenger to bring, you know, uh, judgment on the wrongdoer. Yeah. So the prison system is, the, is God's idea. And uh, it's just a reflection of what's in heaven. You know, the Bible talks about those that, uh, spirits that are kept in nether gloom, <coughs> in chains, in dungeons. So you think that prison is, is our idea. No, it's just a reflection of what's uh, in the spirit realm as well. So that's part of God's way of bringing judgment and justice. But within the justice, there's love because the image of God is in that person. Yeah. And he will fight for that person. And the same blood that bought the person that is living righteous and never goes into jail is the same blood that purchased the person who's in jail. Mm. And so they should have the same uh, opportunity to hear the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So what's the verse that says, count it all joy? Uh, that's James chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, verse two yeah. It's like I'm opening a Bible. Yeah, so that verse... How do we apply that practically in our suffering? Okay, so that verse, you see, says count it all joy. Mm-hmm. Count means regard it to be joy, right? And then it says, for you know. So what James basically is saying is your response to suffering has to be based on the knowledge you have of what that suffering is producing in you. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see how the Bible uh, encourages, even if you look at Paul, it talks about uh, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, per- character hope, hope. Mm-hmm. and hope does not disappoint, and, and so on. There's always something that you know. For we know that our sufferings are producing in us perseverance and steadfastness, and let patience have its work until we're fully... Uh, complete and, and so on and so on. I think that's what James says. Mm. So it's always, we're always looking forward. Hebrews 11, uh, is it 11? Hmm. 11 is Hebrews 10, 34. Yes, Hebrews 10, 34. Says, uh, you joyfully received the plundering of your possessions for you knew that you had better and lasting possessions. So these guys have their stuff being taken away and destroyed because they're Christian. But they're doing so, there is, it's, there's joy in it. 
it's almost as I was saying to some people that it's almost guys going and high-fiving each other and saying, you know what happened? You know, this is my testimony. Can I testify? I testify. People came to my house. They destroyed my stuff. Can you believe what God allowed to happen? Now I know that I'm going to have, you know, and people will be like, woo, and clapping their hands. <laughs> That's the kind of idea you have there mm. of people joyfully receiving the loss of their property. In fact, there's a scripture of, that says, they, because yeah. they, they, I think it says they rejoice because they, they, they've been found worthy yes, to, to suffer. suffer for the name. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. So you see, that's the knowledge they have. They know that their suffering is actually a privilege. I'm suffering for Christ. Can you, can you believe it? Mm. They call me Pastor Kubasa just because I shared the gospel. They, they call me Pastor. They make fun of me. Wow. Can you imagine? Mm. Jesus said, I'm going to get praise. I'm going to get a reward in heaven. Because just like they do to the genuine prophets, so they're doing to me. Mm. So it's what you know about what their suffering is going to produce. What did Paul say in Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen? He says something even more interesting. He says, mm-hmm. um, "You know, uh, these light and momentary troubles are working for us a weight of glory that far outweighs them all." Yeah. yeah. And so he's he's seeing suffering as his. I think I said I shared this some of the time somewhere. Like they, you know, it's he's got workers and a famine is his worker, you know, and. And being stoned is his, another worker, and he's got uh, imprisonment as another one of his employees. They're all working together for him to produce a weight of glory for him in the time to come. So that's his perspective. And then you see him singing in prison. You know, that's why he's singing, and you can have hymns with Silas after being beaten and they're in chains. It's because of what they know about suffering and what it is supposed to produce in them and what it's supposed to produce for them. So produce in them, in us, the character of Christ, yeah. for us and for them, a weight of glory and reward in the age to come. So I think, Kuwaza, as, as we draw to a close here, um, the question that I, I have is how, how do we come to that knowledge? Because I think that's that the question. Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> that revelation. That revelation. You know, that, yeah. w- w- what does it take for one to really come to that point where they view suffering like that? Yeah. You know, um, it was that the special preserve of, you know, for people who were Anapol and those guys back then. But how does a modern day Christian, um, especially modern day young Christian yeah. who's bombarded with so many things out there, mm-hmm. really live, you know, li- live with that sort of an attitude? Because okay. I think that that, that is the, the key question. Okay, for me, what comes to mind right away is if it's young people, just switch off the TV, <laughs> get off your apps, social media, get into your Bible. Because this is where we have the revelation. We have the examples. So there's instruction and there's examples. Right. What did Jesus say about suffering? These things are going to happen to you. It's an instruction. You need to rejoice when people slander you and say all bad things about you because... That's what they did to the false prophets. So there's instruction there, and there's words. This is how you're supposed to conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there's examples in there. We spoke about Paul. We spoke about uh, Peter. We spoke about these guys rejoicing. So when that's the only way that you can really, from just off the bat, get into the Bible, look at what it says about suffering, look at how people responded to suffering, and then make that your own uh, after much meditation. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to say, can I see suffering in the same way that these guys saw suffering? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, because when you do that, when you have a revelation, it changes your value system. Mm-hmm. Now, the scripture says that uh, Moses chose to suffer 
ill treatment with the children of Israel rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Yeah. For he was looking to his reward. Right. So his value system was changed. He chose to value suffering over pleasure because he understood that the suffering was going to produce a reward for him. And you only get that out of understanding who God is and what he's about and what mm-hmm. history, all that stuff about our worldview, where we're going, we're not here to stay, this is all going to pass away, but one day it's all going to be made new and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Kwaza, I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna ask one more question, and I'm just gonna bring it back to where we're at, where we're talking about the nation. Yeah. Um, you know, just in in line with the subject of suffering and all the things we're talking about, there, there's also been a lot of stuff that's been done um, in the past, and um, I'll mention a a subject that is very sensitive still, and mm-hmm. the the whole Gukura Wundi thing. Yes. You know, and other you know similar things that have happened in the past. Yes. Um, there are many Zimbabweans right now that are still embittered by that, yeah. that are still pained by yeah. what they saw happening or the, you know, their relatives uh, were killed or whatever, whatever happened um, because of, this, of, of this, this whole thing. So I think my, my question now would be, how, how do we move on? You know, uh, it's, it's difficult to talk about that at a national scale because yeah. you know, we're, we're all coming from different worldviews and stuff. But I think for, for someone who's a believer, someone who's really battling with it, how how can they practically move on, um, you know, and, and live with a clear mind, clear conscience, given all the things that have happened in the past okay. and stuff? So I personally, um, I'm in a place where while I'm, I, I'm not one who suffered the, the Gukurahundi thing, but I have a situation that is very close to that, mm-hmm. where a very close relative of mine you know, uh, ended up suffering a demise that was very much linked to the to the political situation. Right. And uh, um, some of the people that may have been involved in that have, you know, you have to make peace that with the fact that they may actually still be involved politically. Right. And it's that much more difficult uh, to, to cope with. But what I have uh, been trying to do and remind myself all the time and what I would say to them is, remember uh, that you have been forgiven. And the scale on which you have been forgiven is impossible for you to understand. Because, you know, we great sin. Again, we're human and we're limited. Mm-hmm. We think that the sin of those that killed those that are close to us or whatever is worse than our sin that maybe we missed our tax returns or whatever. But in God's view, they're the same. And if God forgave you of that, he's saying you can forgive a person who did those kind of things to you. Understand as well that in not forgiving a person, it's, it does two things. It keeps you in bondage. Right. That's one. And two, it keeps them in bondage too. Because even if you pray for them to know Christ, the Bible says, Jesus said to the disciples, whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Those are his parting words in John to the disciples. Mm-hmm. And whosoever you forgive, they are forgiven. So if you retain someone's sin as a Christian, it's retained before heaven. And so no matter how much you pray for them that they may know Christ, because this is the essence of it. Most of this ha- the stuff is happening because they're ignorant of Christ. Right. You know? Paul said that I was a blasphemer and I was killing people because I didn't know Christ. I did it in ignorance. Mm-hmm. So you want them to know Jesus Christ. You want them to be born again. Yeah. It's not going to happen if you don't release them because their sin will always stand. And so your prayer is not working. That's why Jesus said whenever you stand praying, the first thing you need to do is to... Forgive. Yeah. So you need to forgive them uh, because you're holding 
potentially holding back their their salvation. Wow. Yeah. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you know they're off the hook. If they give their lives to Christ, all well and good. If they don't, everyone's going to have their day in court. Yeah. Uh, eventually. And wow. you have to come to a point where you release that and say, mm. you know. And I just want to come back to what you said, T Mac, earlier on, when you said that David wished some very nasty things for some people. In those days, people saw their enemies as the person in front of them. But now Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us, yeah. namely because, again, Paul later would reveal that we do not fight against flesh and blood, mm. but against the rulers and the authorities and those, you know, in the, in, in the heavenly realms. Yeah. And so our true enemy is not what we can see. Mm-hmm. It's invisible. But David didn't have that revelation. He didn't understand that. He just thought his enemy was the one who was pursuing him and yeah. therefore crushed his teeth. So whenever we read those, <laughs> you know, those scriptures, we should be thinking of the demons. You know? mm-hmm. That's what I do. I, I visualize. When I read those verses, sometimes I'm tempted to think about the people that did all this wrong and whatever and thinking, oh, isn't this applying to so-and-so and so-and-so? Mm-hmm. You know? But I remind myself, no, think about the devils. Think about the demons. The demon of whatever. Demon of poverty, demon of depression, yeah. whatever demons are out there. Yeah. Yes, Lord, break their teeth. Yeah, like this morning, if you could, just find one of those demons. If they have teeth, just break their teeth. Crush them like mire in the streets. You know, that's how David used to say stuff. You know, <laughs> they get really passionate, you know, because yeah, it's, it's appropriate to, you know, yeah, you know, to, to do that, but not, you know, to people. People need mercy. People need to come to Christ and you understand. Know what? That's actually really helped me yeah. make sense of some things. Because then in Proverbs, it does say that don't... Uh, rejoice in when your enemy basically has their day in court and yeah. something bad happens to them because then the same will fall upon you. Yeah. So then I'll try and weigh that against this whole back to Zenda thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should be hoping for whatever came to you to go back to whoever sent back it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you're viewing the Psalms more as, yeah, what we're fighting against not being flesh and blood, then it makes more sense yeah. to me. And if you understand the sender to be the, the heavenly realm, Is. you can say back to the sender yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with a clear conscience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this has been good. T-Mac? It's been groovy. It's been groovy. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that word in a while. <laughs> All right, so from us... Here at Radiant Culture. Yeah. Peace and love. Kuwaza, we thank you. Mercy and justice in... (laughs) (laughs) Peace. Peace. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot, it's fresh, it's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.